We are in a series on how to pray, and uh, somebody just handed me, in fact, it was Robbie that handed me this today, and since it's a warning about terrorist groups operating in churches, I figured I'd better read it. So I hate to start off with such serious note, but the latest news reports are that there are five terrorist cells that have infiltrated many of our churches, and they've been identified as the following names for these terrorist groups. One is Ben Sleepin. Another has been arguing, another's been fighting, been complaining, and been missing. Five terrorist groups identified in the church. Their leader, Osama bin Satan, have trained these groups to destroy the body of Christ. The plan was to come into the church disguised as Christians and discourage, disrupt, and destroy. However, there's been another report of a sixth group, a tiny cell that's also known or known by the name Ben Prayan. The Ben Prayan team does not blend in with whoever and whatever comes along. Ben Prayan does whatever is needed to uplift and encourage the body of Christ. We've noticed that Ben Prayan cell groups uh, have different, different characteristics from other groups. They, the Ben Prayan cell group has been watching, been waiting, been fasting, been longing for the Master Jesus Christ to return. Which cell group do you belong to? <laughs> Anyhow, thank you. When I go to the Ozarks, where my sister-in-law lives, uh, I have a Verizon cell phone, and it doesn't work there. No coverage. But I've discovered that if I go up behind the house and stand in the south side of the vineyard, there on the farm, and if I look closely at the bars, sometimes I can see the faint flicker of one bar. And so I'll see if it works. And sometimes it'll connect. I can pick up a voicemail. I can maybe even make a call. Now, you own a cell phone probably, and you are familiar with this technology. It's really good when it works, but often you have dropped calls. Recently, I was on the phone talking away, didn't realize my phone had gone dead. And so I said to the person, are you there? Can you hear me, Lars? Huh? Silence. Silence. When I'm there and my sister-in-law is in Missouri and I kind of walk around, I have no idea why sometimes I get a signal and sometimes I don't. I don't know if it's the wind or the atmospheric conditions or the, uh, the satellites in the heavens. I have no idea why sometimes it will connect and sometimes it won't. But that's the way it is. I feel like the guy in the Verizon commercial, you know, he's walking around. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And I think when we think about prayer, sometimes we wonder, are you there, God? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Have you ever thought like that as you prayed? You know, I just don't know if I'm connected. Maybe the battery's dead. Maybe the signal's dropped. But I'm not connected. God's not listening to me or something like that. This morning, we are in our second part of prayer. And I encourage you in your worship folder to find the outline on how to pray. And... We are going to be talking about uh, prayer for the next several weeks, and we're going to slow way down. We're taking it verse by verse, and in some cases, word by word, to understand how to pray. Now, last week was basically an introduction on how not to pray, and we talked about that. And I said to you the following things. I said to you that... Um, When you sit down to pray, don't brag and don't babble. 
Mind your motives. Why are you praying? What, what's the goal of this prayer? Don't brag. Don't babble. I have to confess, this week the sermon came back to me. That's one of the worst things about being a preacher. This stuff, you know, I say actually comes back to me. And I was praying away, and what came to my mind was, Steve, you're babbling. I was just kind of going on with my prayer. My mind was somewhere else. You know, I was just, I know you would never do that, but I have to confess, I was just babbling. I just like, I'm praying now, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Steve, you're not even thinking. So I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I was not thinking. I was just rambling. I'm sorry. Um, so that's one of the warnings Jesus gave us. Look at your motives. Why are you praying? Don't think a long prayer, a babbling prayer, a big loud prayer, a fancy prayer is any better than any other kind of prayer. In fact, they're bad. The other thing Jesus said was, short is sweet. Short is sweet. Because God already knows what you're asking for. So by piling up lots of words, it doesn't mean you're going to get more from God. And Jesus warned us, a long prayer, a wordy prayer, that's not the way to go. Short is sweet with God. Now, in your outline, there's uh, an outline. Imagine that. Matthew, as as a writer, and we're in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. By the way, it's interesting because in the Sermon on the Mount, it takes up Matthew's chapters 5, 6, and 7. You already knew that, right? Thank you. You already knew that, right? Yeah, good. I know you know your Bible. In, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes up on this hillside and he teaches. And it's interesting, someone has said that the most important part of the Sermon on the Mount is the Lord's Prayer because it's right in the center of the whole teaching. There are 116 Greek lines in front of the Lord's Prayer and 116 Greek lines after the Lord's Prayer. It's right in the center. Matthew seems to like triplets, and as you look at this outline that I put in your bulletin, you'll notice that it's divided into two sets of three. By that I mean, as you look at it, the first set of three, as as Jesus teaches us the Lord's Prayer, the, the first set of three consists of looking up to God, and there are three statements about God. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And the second set of three is about us or our. Give us uh, our daily bread, forgive us our debts, lead us not into temptation. So you can break it out that way. And Pastor Eddie will be talking to you next week about your kingdom come, that section. This morning we're going to look at just the first part of what Jesus said and uh, as he began to teach us to pray. Someone and I were talking, a church member and I were talking this week, and she said to me, She said, I don't know if I should keep coming to this church. And I said, why not? She said, well, you've emphasized that all of us should go through good sense. It's our financial stewardship program. It's about how to manage your money according to the Bible. And she said, you know, pastor, I went to good sense and I learned I don't know how to manage my money. And now I come to church last Sunday and I think, you know, I can pray and I learn I don't know how to pray. She said, I'm a little bit afraid to come back to church anymore. What else am I doing wrong, you know? And we had a good laugh. Well, the good news is today that this this sermon, I'm excited about it because it's going to be very helpful to your prayer life. If you'll actually take what Jesus says about how to pray, it's going to change the way you pray dramatically. It's not going to make it harder. It's going to make it easier to pray. It's going to make it richer for you to pray, more rewarding in your prayer. So let's get into it this morning and talk about the first few words of Jesus as he teaches us how to pray. When you pray, you'll notice we're in uh, Matthew chapter 6, and down to verse uh, 
8 and 9. Jesus says, pray then in this way, or when you pray, say. And what's the first word? First word of the Lord's Prayer? Our. First word of the Lord's Prayer? Our. Okay. The first word of the Lord's Prayer is our. When you pray, pray big. Pray inclusively. Our. And my question to you is, how big is your our? O-U-R. Not H-O-U-R or A-R-E. O-U-R. How big is your our? Jesus said, when you pray, pray saying, our. Not my, not I, not me. You'll notice the Lord's Prayer is in the plural. When somebody stands up and begins to pray and they say, I, they're actually praying incorrectly if they're praying in church, in public. Because the Lord's Prayer is plural. Not my, not I, not me, but we, us, our. It's plural. So my question is, how big is your plural? When you pray, how big is your our? Now, when I sit down to pray in the morning before I leave the house, I pray for our family. Our sons, our daughters-in-laws, grandsons. Uh, if I'm really on my game, I might pray for my brothers. I might not. You know, if I'm really having a great day, I'll pray for Aunt uh, B and Uncle Ray, Aunt Jody and Uncle Jerry, our. How big is your our? Does it include First Baptist family? Does Is your our inclusive of all Baptists? By the way, our... Our American Baptist family is coming to Pasadena at the end of the month. We're not going to meet in here for church. We're going to be at the convention center, Civic Auditorium, 10 o'clock. No Sunday school on the 28th. You can park here and walk down there. If you need a shuttle, we'll shuttle you down there. But uh, this is going to be a great gathering of American Baptists at the convention center. And that night, they're going to have worship here. So you'll be hearing more about that. But remember, the last weekend is devoted to serving the American Baptist family And we're going to be asking of you to step up and do some stuff. So I'm excited about that. But how big is your hour? I only pray for American Baptists. I wouldn't pray for Southern Baptists. How big is your hour? Does it include Democrats, Republicans, and Independents? How big is your hour? Our, Jesus said, when you start praying. Now, um, as you think about that, I want to remind you that just a few words earlier, Jesus gave one of his hardest teachings of all. Because he said, uh, you should love your, what? Yeah, you know the Sermon on the Mount. You should love your enemies. And after that verse, Jesus said these words. God causes his son, God is the creator of the son, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God's hour is pretty big. He actually blesses everybody in the world, good, bad, evil, even the bad bends of the world, the Ben terrorists, you know, folk. So when you pray and you think of where you start, the hour is pretty big here. I read a story about two brothers that went to the dentist, two little boys. And the older brother marched in. He said, we're in a hurry. We need a tooth pulled. I have to have a tooth pulled. And uh, I want my tooth pulled. I want this tooth pulled with no gas and no Novocaine. And the dentist said, wow, you're really a brave young man, aren't you? And he said, yes, uh, we're in a big hurry. And he said, no gas, no Novocaine, no none. And he said, well, young man, let me see which tooth is it that needs to be pulled. And so the older brother turned to his younger brother and said, Albert, show him your tooth. 
Uh, This is exactly the kind of way we're not supposed to pray when we pray with the plural our. It should be a big, inclusive our that cares about the folks around us, good, bad, and ugly. Now, pray big. In other words, when you pray, think about Pastor Hannah, who was here a few Sundays ago, stranded outside his country, can't get back to Gaza. Pray that God would open the doors so he can be back there to minister. When you think about the horrible state of the state of California right now financially, can you pray big enough that there would be tax reform and that we could actually go forward and be a great state again? Can you pray that kind of prayer? Does your hour include that kind of stuff? How big is your hour? So Jesus said, when you pray, say, what? Hour. Now, let's go to the next one. Uh, what else did he say? And I love this teaching. Um, can you hear me now? Okay. When you pray, hug or cuddle, pray intimately. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father in the heavens. That's my translation. The word heaven is plural in the Bible, although the English translations are singular. Our Father in the heavens. Now, I want to remind you, Jesus was a Jew. When he sat down on the mountain and taught the Sermon on the Mount, he was teaching to Jewish people. So those people knew how to pray. He didn't have to convince them to pray. They prayed all the time. They probably prayed more and better than we do in that sense. Now, in the Old Testament, you could do this easily yourself. You could go back and look up prayers in the Old Testament and say, how did they start to pray? How did they begin their prayers in the Jewish economy? Well, King Solomon, when he uh, dedicated the great temple, used these words. He said, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Praise be to the Lord. In Psalm 90, that great psalm by Moses, he begins with the word Lord. And there are lots of names of God in the Old Testament. I read somewhere that Islam has 99 beautiful names for God. Our Old Testament scripture has lots of names for God. The Lord God Almighty, the Lord of hosts. And when you pray, and and I've thought this often, you know, I want to get the biggest name I can because God's big. So I want a grand name. When Jesus is teaching them how to pray, it's interesting to think about uh, this. He would, you would think he'd say, Lord God Almighty, or Lord of hosts, or Sabaoth, or some big name for God, Yahweh, Elohim. But he doesn't, does he? Remember, the Proverbs said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, all I'm saying is that you would expect Jesus to have started with his grand name. But Jesus says, when you pray, pray saying what? Our Father. Abba. Papa. Tati. Daddy. Father. Now, I think we're going to be a little nervous here. I'm a little nervous. I think you may be a little nervous if you get your head around this because we're really balancing two great thoughts. And one is, when we pray, we're talking to the Creator, the awesome God. There's a transcendence there. So he says, pray to your Father in heaven, God. But on the other hand, you don't have to be afraid. And I don't think anybody in Jesus' day had ever heard a prayer like Jesus started this prayer was totally new. When you pray, say, Father. That just, you can't find that prayer in the Old Testament. Father, Papa, Daddy. A term of endearment. God is both loving Father, Daddy to His darling daughter, and Creator God. So we pray, Our Father who is in the heavens. 
And the plural there at least helps us remember God's not just above Pasadena, is he? He's over Paris right now, too. In fact, you really can't locate God. We say in the heavens, but there, you can't fly to where God is because God is God. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's not within us in the sense that a pantheist would think. God is in the heavens. He's the creator. But we can call him Daddy, Papa. And the term Jesus uses would have been used by adults and adult men in his day. Now, you know, uh, hugging his back in. Robin's the chairman of our board. I'll probably get fired here, but Robin, come on up here. Um, and you know, hugging is back in. You realize that, especially with the young people, it's kind of good. And uh, here's here's the way that men hug these days. I don't know if you hug this. Well, give me your hand, and they go like this. You've seen this, you know? People come together. Isn't that right, Tommy? People hug like this. It's a man hug, you know. You kind of like this. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for your help. So when I say um, hug, I'm trying to get you to think. When you address God, there ought to be an intimacy to that. I hug my dad. I kiss my dad on the cheek. I love to do that because I love him so much. And I want to feel his flesh and blood and bones. It's intimate. And that's good. And Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, Daddy. Now, you're going to have a chance to try this today before you leave, to get in that intimate moment to pray to God. And I encourage you to do it because that's the way Jesus says we should pray. Our Father in the heavens. I don't know if you got the chance to see any of the NBC special on the White House, the West Wing, but uh, over 30 NBC television cameras have been at the White House for a number of weeks, and Brian Williams, the news commentator, is there, and they had this special on the White House. And uh, I realized, in fact, I read an article about this before President Obama became the president, but it's about how you address the president. And it was interesting to see this... uh, distinguished man in his own right, Brian Williams, with the president, and almost intimidated sometimes, I think, as he addressed him. But how do you address the president? You say either Mr. President or you say President Obama. That's it. Those are your options. And uh, a number of the White House staff have known President Obama for a long time. And so I don't know if Rahm Emanuel, for example, plays ball or basketball with the president, but if he did, he probably calls him Barack or maybe calls him B or some other nickname. And they would play basketball together, supposing they do. And the day he got inaugurated on January 20th, then what does Rahm Emanuel call him? Although he's known him for years and worked with him, when he walks into that West Wing, when they're together there in the office, what does he say? He says, Mr. President, that's or President Obama, that's it. It's not informal because of the position that he's in now. And so he addresses him like that. And that helps us think big about the grandeur of God. But what do Malia and Sasha call him? When he goes upstairs for dinner, it's not Mr. President. It's Daddy. And they run and he scoops him up in his arms and they hug him. And I was thinking about Michelle. She probably makes fun of the name Mr. President. She doesn't call him Mr. President. Why not? Because she's his wife and they're her... They're, they're children, and so they call them by those family names. Now, that's what God is saying when he says, pray our Father. Because when you become a child of God, we are adopted into the family of God. And John 1, 20, uh, 12 says that we become the children of God by adoption. Jesus never calls God our Father, except in this example. It's always my Father, because he's in a different relationship to God than you and I are. But we can call him our Father because we are the sons and daughters of God by adoption. Isn't that special?
Isn't that amazing? So when you pray, I hope you'll get your head around this intimacy that is involved in praying like Jesus taught us to pray. It's very special. Now, one more thing as I draw to a conclusion here. Um, When you pray, pray to God that God would be more popular than President Obama or Oprah. Why do I say that? Because we're to pray intentionally. I realized, you know, a lot of confession by Steve today, I've kind of been messing up my whole life in prayer. What's the number one thing you should pray about? You don't need to answer me. I'm just throwing it out there. What's the first thing you ought to pray about? What's the most important thing you ought to pray about? Well, if we follow Jesus' pattern of prayer, we begin our prayer by saying, Our Father who is in heaven, holy or hallowed be your name. And if this is the pattern for prayer, and it is, we ought to pray about God's reputation on the earth. I don't do that. I'm sorry. I flunked. But that's what he says, isn't it? Um, Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Our Father who is in the heavens, hallowed be your name. Now, I was heartbroken when I left church last week because nobody mentioned it. And it just saddened me to realize uh, I was kind of out there alone in this matter. Nobody mentioned it to me this week either, and I'm still kind of sad. The Giro d'Italia ended last Sunday. It was a great race on the wet streets of Rome. The leader crashed within a few thousand meters of the finish line. Could have lost the race. You ignored it. It just broke my heart. Now, in that race, uh, Lance Armstrong is back. You know, he's the cycling legend. And uh, he's never ridden in the Giro d'Italia before. That race is the... It's Italy's version of the Tour de France. And he'd never ridden that race. Very criticized because he hadn't ridden that race. And he did very well this year. Now... Lance rode in that race, and he has lots of fans around the world, and he Twitters. I don't Twitter, but this is what I understand. If you Twitter, you know, 6, 8, 10, 12, 15 times a day, he sends out a little note. You know, I'm having three eggs for breakfast. Uh, it was cold on the tour today, whatever. And he sends out these little notes, and you su- can subscribe to get his tweet. And what I was impressed with is that Lance has about three-quarters of a million people that want to hear what he's doing today. So when he sends that out, about 740,000 or 750,000 people are interested in what Lance is doing today, and they're waiting to get a, a whatever they get from him, a tweet. That's a lot of popularity. I'm afraid to sign up to do that because there might not be anybody sign up to get them. How many are on the other end? Well, I got three. My wife, I signed the dog up, and uh, one of my daughters-in-law was kind, and she signed up. You know, it's, a, it's about popularity, isn't it? And, and we say, well, how many people are on your Facebook? How many friends do you have? Friends, uh-huh. Yeah, you call them in the middle of the night and see what they do. Anyhow, back to the sermon. Jesus says that when you pray, you ought to pray, Our Father who is in the heavens, hallowed be your name. One scholar put it this way, Our main concern in life should be that God be treated as God. Wow. Now, commandment number two in the Ten Commandments is what? 
Well, it says something about the name of the Lord. It says something like this. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord your God will hold will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. God's name is important. Now, I want you to wiggle your toes if you can respond to this question. How do you hallow God's name, or how do we make God's name holy? Here's, here are some of the questions. Uh, may I ask you about your speak, speech, your language? Do you ever cuss? Do you ever say the G-D word or words like that? Uh, surely you never say things like, oh, my God. You know, the valley girl talk that's become ubiquitous. And when we say something like this, you know, casually throw out God's name, oh, my God, what, what are we doing? We're turning God's name into slang. It's just an offhanded comment. We're not hallowing his name. We're not honoring his name. We're just throwing it out there like any other name. It has no importance. It's just slang, small G-O-D, I would suppose. Jesus says when you pray, pray for God's name to be hallowed, honored. The word hallowed means set apart. It means holy, sacred. It's very similar to the word glory, which means heavy. And the prayer is actually in the passive voice. You can't make this happen. We did it in church this morning. We're trying to hallow or honor God's name. So it happens in church, doesn't it? But I can't make God's name be hallowed around the world. God will do that. And so we pray that someday God's name will be honored and hallowed around the whole world. And you remember that uh, Jesus, or Paul writes about Jesus, and he says someday... At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Christ the Lord to the glory of the Father. Someday, every name, every person will hallow God's name. And we are to pray for that day. It's the priority of our prayer. God, may your name be hallowed in all the earth. What a great way to begin a prayer. You can't do it. I can't do it, but we can pray God does it. And God has done it in your life as he's called you into relationship with Jesus Christ. A moment ago, I spoke to you about um, the family of God. Are you confident you're in God's family? We come into God's family by accepting Christ, his son, as our Lord and Savior. And perhaps there's one or two or a person here today that you've not asked Christ into your life. You say, Steve, I'm really not a part of the family. Would you like to be? Because I'd like to lead you in just a short prayer where you open your life to God and say, Yes, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I receive you as my boss, my master, my savior. And I want to be in your family. So I'm going to ask all of us to close our eyes right now and bow our heads in a moment of prayer. And I'm going to pray out loud, and you could pray just where you're seated. If you've not asked Christ to come into your life, to be a part of God's family, I encourage you to do that right now. After the service, we have some prayer counselors here. You could come up to be with them in just a moment to confirm that and talk to them about what you've done. I'd encourage you to do that. But if you've not prayed to become a part of God's family, I urge you to do that right now as I lead you. Shall we pray? You can pray after me and I'll pause. Lord Jesus Christ, I acknowledge you as my Savior and I invite you into my heart right now. Father God, I realize that you sent Jesus into the world because you love me intimately. And right now, as much as I'm able, I open my heart to Jesus. I want to be a part of the family. Thank you for loving me. I accept Jesus, and in his name I pray. Amen and amen.
Lord, I pray that if there's one or two persons here, a man or a woman, that does not know you, that they might have this moment stepped across the line of faith to be a part of your family. Thank you, God, for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. And for all of us, I want you to stand if you would. We're going to put this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, on the screen. I'll ask you to pray it as it's written. It's written a little differently than the King James Version we memorized. But would you stand this, stand and pray this prayer with me, and those who are serving communion can come forward right now and uh, join us as we prepare to serve. Let's begin with the word prayer, Jesus' instructions. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Amen. Amen. Please be seated.